Ladies and gentlemen, it's lightning round. It's Kevin Topkins. It's Britt Flynn. It's Andrew Cooper. And our guest from Fantasy Life from NFL Fantasy. You know him. You love him. I love him. Marcus Grant. My man, how are you? I'm good. How are you guys doing today? Fantastic. Especially because you're here, man. I even Aww. brought I even brought my uh I even brought my special hat to honor you, bro. Oh, wait, wait. I think I know what's coming. Is it is is it what it is? Oh, <laughs> yes. there we go. There we go. Let's go. Dude, you know I had it for the at the at the expo. I talked to you about it, mm-hmm. and then the next day I had it for the first time ever. So nice. that's why I was like, I always I'll always associate with you with the waffle. I see I can't get in California. So wherever I'm in a location, you know, where I where there is one, like it's just a guaranteed stop that's going to happen. It has to. Oh, yeah. I just <laughs> can't fathom that there's not waffle houses in every town, jurisdiction, province, little no. inc- unincorporated community. Yeah. The, we don't the closest one to Los Angeles is Phoenix, which is like a six-hour drive. Are you drive. serious? Yeah, oh, <laughs> my God. Drive to Phoenix to get one. <laughs> no, I mean, there wasn't, there's not one in New York, so I'd never gone there. Moved to North Dakota. I did not one here. So that was my first uh, Waffle House experience in Canton last year. So, I mean, <laughs> it is what it is. It's, you it's, gotta go it's to, like, New Jersey. I think everybody was thinking that I was speaking um, just gibberish when I was like, no, smothered, <laughs> covered, tossed, like do all that. And they smothered, were like, what? Smothered, covered, scattered, and chunked. That's me. That's yes. <laughs> That's, that was the part that confused me most when I first talked to you about it. When you said that, I was like, I had no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> what language are you like, speaking? But then when I got there, it made a little more sense, but I was still hesitant. I was like, <laughs> chunked? <laughs> <laughs> Smothered in chunks, man. Yeah, yeah, man. Love it. Love it. Yeah. Last, yeah. Last time I got to, I got, saw you in Canton last year. Obviously, you and, you and me had our battles in the Kings Classic. Mm-hmm. Uh, can't wait to see you at the expo this year. But today, we're going to be talking quarterbacks now. I know we've been talking best ball uh, for the past few months here. Um, you know, we're starting to get, you know, training camps uh, coming a, a pretty soon. We can take the transition into more season long stuff here. But, uh, just as a kind of an overview, uh, Marcus, like how are you generally approaching the quarterback position as far as um, that transition from best ball to season long? Because we know they're two kind of different animals. Uh, we really haven't had a lot of season long uh, stuff come down the pike yet. We're really still in best ball mode. But, um, you know, how do you plan on attacking the quarterback position, at least just you and your drafts? Yeah, I mean, in best ball, I look at it one of two ways. There, there have been some some places where I've taken some early shots. I, I will admit, I don't have a ton uh, of exposure to guys. I, I think I have a little bit of Josh Allen. Uh, I actually don't think I have either uh, Patrick Mahomes or Jalen Hurts, just because I, I just haven't felt comfortable quite reaching that high for those guys. Um, but you know, in the cases where I say when I went Josh Allen, um. I tend to wait a while and, you know, maybe I'll grab a second quarterback a little bit later. Now, generally, though, what happens is I tend to wait until like the mid tier. Even if I wait till later, uh, I may be more likely to grab three quarterbacks. Right. Because if I'm if I'm going with, say, you know, maybe maybe Justin Fields, a Geno Smith, uh, I'll try to get a third quarterback in there just to sort of have that extra little bit of insurance. Now, contrast that with season long where. 
you know, depending on who I'm taking, I might only take one quarterback and then just play the waiver wire kind of the rest of the season, figuring out buys and injuries and and what have you. You know, maybe maybe I'll take a second one depending on on when I decide to get my first guy. But uh, you know, it it really for me is more about the number of quarterbacks I may take as opposed to when I get one. Because when I get one, sort of depends on how the board uh, falls to me when when it's time, my turn to draft. Yeah, I used to be kind of a bigger two quarterback guy back in the day when uh, the late round QBs actually fell to the late rounds back yeah. <laughs> when you could, right? Like back when you could get like Mahomes or Lamar Jackson, but now the cat's out of the bag, right? Like people are Justin Fields last year, for instance, was just going so early, even Trey Lance, like people are so desperate for the mobile QBs. Uh, I now I guess I need a reason to take two. like Anthony Richardson. You see some of the rumors or whatever. and We'll talk about him later. You might need to take a second one. Kyler Murray, for instance, another one where it's like might need to take a second one. But again, we'll get to those later. But I'm with you, man. I I, I don't mind going for some of the guys going at six, seven, eight, nine, and just riding. Right, Dak, Deshaun Watson. What about you, Britt? Are you doing a lot of uh, two QBs at all, or are you just going one for the most part? So I'm going to preface this by saying that whatever I say does not apply to my Scott Fishbowl draft. <laughs> Full bully QB and Scott Fishbowl because Anthony Richardson fell to the late fourth round. And I was like, the other, the 11 and 12 didn't have a quarterback at all. And I was like, oh no, I'm not letting them get him. So ended up going full bully. But typically in my redraft leagues, I like to take somebody kind of in that mid range, um, you know, like the Burrow, the Fields, although I'm not completely sold on him yet, um, Herbert, those guys. Um, and then I'll just, pick up a guy off of waivers for the bye weeks. I'm not really that concerned because the bench spots are so limited. I would rather put a stash guy who I think is going to kind of develop and go off later in my bench than just holding on to a quarterback that I'm not going to use. Now in best ball, yes, I obviously, if I can get one of the top guys, I'll do it um, because it allows you to only take one aside from three. And again, that's a valuable bench spot, but it's, I think there's so much value there with Burrow and Herbert and even Trevor Lawrence that, that that's where I tend to lie. Yeah. With best ball for me, it's like one great one late, you know, I'll take a, you know, Lamar Jackson and then come back with like a, you know, a later round Jordan love Kenny Pickett. Now I'll be good. Cause if, if I'm making the bet that Lamar Jackson's going to be the top quarterback on the season, then I'm really only needing that guy for, a week, maybe two, uh, if his score puts in. But you know, for a season long, I mean, the the line of demarcation for me is about like Daniel Jones, where I feel it comfortable uh, rostering one, and then I feel like it depends on the league, certainly how deep your benches are. But if you could pick one off off of you know free agency, like a you know we all pick you picked up Jimmy Garoppolo and guys like that that were just kind of out there. Um, you know, I would feel more comfortable doing that. But if you have to grab two, you know, I know Coop has been talking about this for years, taking the one safe guy and uh, taking a stash. Uh, you know, that's how we got the Patrick Mahomes late. That's how we got, you know, Lamar Jackson late is these quarterbacks with the obvious upside, the rushing upside. I believe it was Rich Rebar who posted a tweet about maybe a half hour ago um, that quarterback designed rushes are now ahead of the QB scramble rate. Uh, for the first time ever. So we're we're now looking at the era really of the Russian quarterback and not just running around fending for, you know, trying to scramble for their life. These co- these offensive coordinators and head coaches are 
developing schemes and designing these run plays for these quarterbacks. Um, so that's the way we're looking like the, the Drew Brees and the Aaron Rodgers. These guys are, they're like dinosaurs now compared to these Russian quarterbacks. So it's really a, it's, it's a new league, even from like five years ago. I just want to say, there's a lot of headphone chatter going on in the chat right now, dude. I, I will come in there. I will log into YouTube, all right? So the chat, you better settle down. And I know that I don't need to have the headphones on. I just don't like when it comes through my speakers, John. So, all right, settle down over there. Both of you guys. Mods, please. Warnings. Mods. A, round, a round of warnings in the chat, please. Thank you. He'll yeah. turn this car around. I, nobody's, that's right, dude. <laughs> nobody's getting Waffle House, all right? <laughs> I will turn this bus around. That's right. So, um, But, yes, uh, Dustin, uh, our Coop and Kevin having a battle for letters. Look, I just got these headphones uh, from Corsair, and I went to uh, a site to get new uh, pads for them because they were used, and I'm a germaphobe and don't <laughs> like use the ear cut. just weirded me out, so... I had to get them. Uh, they're definitely '90s esque, so uh, we'll keep it at that. But let's uh, let's dive into some of the more more of the quarterback talk. Let's start at the top with the Mahomes, the Jalen Hurts, the Josh Allen, that kind of tier. I mean, we know in best ball these prices have gone up for these top tier quarterbacks. They were pretty high, you know, looking into like May, and they've come down a little bit. Um, so for season long, I know. You know, people are really, I say, more more price sensitive. There's more of a variance in what people are willing to spend on these quarterbacks. Some just want the guy and don't care the price they have to pay for a Patrick Mahomes, whether it's at the very beginning of the second or even at that one-two turn. Um, and then some leagues will just wait. So, Marcus, like, where are you as far as, you know, you, we know Mahomes hurts Allen, has the consistency that you want, and then obviously with Hurts and Allen, the rushing upside, uh, their place in their offense. Um, so is that combo of consistency and that weekly upside, is that worth the squeeze even if they have to pay that uh, that inflated price, especially in season long? I, I can't do a second round. I just cannot. Um, my, yeah. my, soul, my soul won't allow it. Um, every now and then, if I'm feeling spicy, I will take that shot in the third round if one of those guys is still there. Um, that seems to be increasingly rare <laughs> nowadays, but, um, you know, in the event that, that, you know, one of those guys is still there in the third round, sometimes I will, I will definitely take the, the swing at that. I tend to sort of wait until maybe more of that second tier of quarterbacks, those guys that are sort of, um, they're what I call, they're what I call like bullet bourbon, like, cause that's the, the stuff I keep at the house, right? Where it's like the quality is good enough, but the price is also a little bit more reasonable, sort of kind of that mid shelf sort of thing. And th those tend to be the guys that I want. I think this is also the part of the, the program where I, I bring out my yearly rant about how we have to do something as an industry about, or a community about quarterback scoring um, to make it so that, I mean, we're sitting here, we're talking about Mahomes and Allen and Hurts, and we all agree that these guys are great and amazing. Um, we have to do something so that it's not a strategic disadvantage to draft them, right? Like we don't, we don't feel that way about any other position where if you draft a guy at the top, uh, you know, of the elite guys at a certain position, we don't look at it and say, man, that, I don't know, man, that can hurt you. Like, I don't understand why it is that for the most important position in the game, the best players at that position, if you're drafting them where their value is, uh, we all sort of look at that and kind of go, yeah, um, but that, that's a whole other big conversation probably for another time. <laughs> well, no, you're right though. Cause it's like, we attempt to fix that with super flex and, and 
two QB, but that just nukes it. There needs to be yeah. like a super flex and a half, like a half in between there. You right. Know? And that's, so that's my thing is that I think like, you know, everybody, cause I, whenever I say this, everybody's like, well, just play two QB or super flex. And I'm like, well, that doesn't really, it doesn't really change value. It just creates scarcity. That's like, that's all that does is just everybody's yeah, basically two drafts so the quarterback draft and everybody else. Yeah. yeah I oh. mean, so it's just, it's just creating scarcity, but we need to do something. I mean, my, my quick, my quick fix. And you know, there are people who are smarter than me who could probably actually game this out, but like escalators for touchdowns and interceptions, right? So every touchdown after say two uh, is worth more points, right? So you start the first two or four, then there's five, then there's six. Same with interceptions. The first two are minus two, then it's minus three, then minus for like i don't think we need to have another year where a guy like Jameis winston throws 30 picks and is still somehow a top five quarterback like that just doesn't make sense to me uh there's got to be a way again there are a lot more smarter people than me who are really good at math um who can probably you know come up with something that works for us all yeah for sure and i'm with you on the uh on the original topic there with the qbs with the top dudes what i find myself doing is if i did take like aj brown or stefan diggs and it gets to the third round and those guys are still there, I'll basically force my league mates to stop me from, from taking those <laughs> two guys, right? Like, that's that's the one occasion where I don't settle for the bullet, where I reach for the the each Taylor QBs. So, <laughs> that's the that's the move for me. But, uh, again, it's like I really – I just don't feel good. And what it boils down to is at the end of the draft, you look at your team when you take one of those QBs and you just feel like you shortchanged yourself, right? It just doesn't look as good. Yeah, I always right. want, I'm like, where are my good? If I take a tight end and a quarterback early, I just sit there. I'm like, who are my good players? Where are my good players? Well, and I can provide some numbers for that as well. Kind of making the case that you should wait on quarterback. So uh, I think you can find the same amount of upside with those kind of second tier quarterbacks than you, as you can with the first. So I took some numbers. I did Mahomes, Josh Allen, and Jalen Hurts. Since they were drafted in the top three, I'm like, okay, let's see where they finished in the top three Mahomes only had five weeks with a top three finish. He was just so consistent that it ended up evening out that he was the QB one at the end of the year. Allen had eight weeks with a top three finish as did Jalen hurts. And he missed a couple games, but you look at Joe Burrow, even after that atrocious start that he had, he had six weeks with a top five finish and four of those six were overall QB one. So I think you can really find some value there while still shoring up the rest of your roster instead of just reaching for one of these elite guys in that tier. I think, as Kevin put it, the juice is absolutely worth the squeeze to wait on those round or tier two quarterbacks. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, I do like to typically wait for the, maybe the next tier, but even that next tier is kind of the prices pushed up on those just based on quarterback. Like, there's no real rhyme or reason. It's really just... Um, you know, with Burrow, with Fields, with Herbert. And I guess you could throw kind of Lawrence in there because that's kind of a murky. Uh, he's in his own like sub tier, I would say, uh, between the next one and that Burrow, Fields, Herbert tier. But um, obviously these guys could provide wedding weeks for your roster. It just seems like there's more hurdles in their offense to, to clear to get there. Obviously with Fields having to bring the passing game along, Herbert and Burrow really need, um, you know, just bigger volume and just a – bigger emphasis on the passing game to get their Lawrence's in an ascending offense that will um, certainly produce some, some more efficiency. But um, is that, are those talent profiles enough Marcus from the, from that tier of quarterback to where it's, I know you're trying to balance the ROI with the Mahomes tier and having to draft them down to that 
second tier, but the second tier is still priced up a little bit. So that's kind of where I'm having a little confusion in the fact that I don't have a lot of those guys in my best part ball portfolio because I'm usually targeting wide receivers or maybe an elite tight end. Like where, where are you on that kind of, uh, discussion so i think i think part of the reason you're seeing those guys priced up is because the other guys are going so early right the top tier guys are going so early and i think there's a little bit of i guess nervousness right you see those first three guys come off the board and i think a lot of people are just like i got to make sure i get myself a quarterback like i don't want to be left out in the cold so because of that then your burrows your herberts your fields are going a little bit early Honestly, and I, it, it didn't really happen on purpose. It just sort of happened. Justin Fields, I think, is the quarterback I have the most exposure to in uh, on underdog right now. Um, but I also say that knowing that of those three, he might be the guy that's closest to his ceiling right now. I mean, I think we know who he is as a runner. This will be the year that I think tells us who Justin Fields can be as a passer, right? They went out and they've put some help around and they've gotten him some pass catchers to sort of help out. But whereas I think, you know, I think Burrow's got a 5,000 yard, you know, 40 touchdown season in him. Uh, Herbert's had a 5,000 yard season. I think he can do that again and get himself to 40 touchdowns. Um, you know, there's always that that sort of nagging thing in the back of my head about what if this is just kind of who Justin Fields is? He's a good runner. Maybe those passing yard numbers get bumped up and we get to like, you know, 2,800 yards, maybe 3,000 best case scenario. Um, you know, what if he's always just sort of Lamar Jackson light? That's not a bad thing, but it also does sort of, you know, worry about make you worry about your return on investment. So I think there's certainly some risk there. I have always, at least for a long time, been a guy who has waited for that second tier of quarterbacks. I go back to 2021. I had I drafted Dak Prescott. You know, he was in that it was like that Dak Russell Wilson sort of mid tier. I drafted him and then I actually just took a swing late on some young guy named Jalen Hurts, uh, which was super frustrating because they were both very good and they both finished in the top 10. And so every week I had to stare at my lineup. I'm like, which one of these guys do I start? <laughs> um, I guess there are worse problems to have than that, but, but that's just a long way of saying, I am not afraid to take that swing on guys, but I do think that um, I think there's more room still for Burrow and Herbert to grow. Whereas fields, I don't know. I, he, part of me is worried that he might be close to maxed out. Yeah, well, that's the thing with uh, we we looked at it with Josh Allen, where his rookie year he came out fifty two percent completion percentage, which is completely unacceptable. And then the next year that went up to fifty eight, which was good for thirty second in the league. So he goes from you know like completely potentially not even being a starting quarterback to just barely okay. And then they do go get digs, and he jumps up to sixty eight percent. So that's what people are hoping with with Fields is that if he keeps the rushing the same. But with the additions of DJ Moore and maybe a full season to Chase Claypool and, and maybe Mooney comes back from this ankle injury, that now he can take a, a leap, maybe not a leap like that, but that's what you're hoping when you take guy at seven, that he can jump into that top three, four or so. So I'm not quite sure I'm ready to, to predict that. But like you said, when I get in that range, I'm willing to take that and make that risk because I know in my back pocket that I can always go to waivers. And that's the other part of it with, with QB is that, Unlike tight end where there's Kelsey and, and Andrews and everybody else is scrapping, all these people that are spending up this year at quarterback, they're not going to be really in the market to pick up the guys off the wire. So if you're thinking Mahomes, Jalen Hurts, Josh Allen, Burrow, Herbert, like those guys are all out of the market on waivers. They're not, they're not spending fab. They're not moving up. So you actually can correct those mistakes a little easier at quarterback. So that's why I'm in with uh with Fields. And I, I like Herbert too and and Burrow, but Fields, he just presents that 
extra tantalizing upside with, you know, rushing for a thousand yards. Come on now. <laughs> Bray, I, Bray, I know you got a couple of these guys that, that you're in on. I mean, are you doing, are you drafting fields though? I don't know if I've heard you saying much about taking fields. I really haven't drafted the a lot of fields. The face said it all. The I face know. said it all. <laughs> Am I that transparent, guys? Um, no, I really haven't drafted a lot of fields because I think that the rushing upside is where he got all of his value from. As Mpemba said in the chat, he got 2,200 yards last year. Um, the Bears have never had a 4,000-yard passer. I'm a little bit worried about the design runs that they're going to have for him. I mean, Fields got the third most time in the pocket last season out of everybody, and he still scrambled. So imagine an improved offensive line and another weapon. I wonder if that rushing upside goes down and he loses a little bit of that ceiling because he's got just, you know, a few more options to pass to. Worries me a little bit. Um, so, yeah, I, I just haven't taken a lot of fields. To your point, Britt, the Bears have been a team since like the 1800s. I looked it up. They've had 13. They've had 13 1,000 yard seasons. And I'm not talking about players that had 1,000 yard seasons. I mean, like, total. Like, if a guy had two, those both count. Like, this, it's crazy how, <laughs> like, going all the way back through time, you know, there's like Bernard Barry and, and like, yeah. <laughs> you know, like, that's it. You know, I don't know what's going on. The, the Bears are one of those franchises that because they've been around forever, like, you feel like, I mean, they are historic because they're old. Um, they're not really as successful as you. I mean, when you start right. digging down, you're like, yeah, they haven't really won a whole They're the line. Phillies. They're the Philadelphia <laughs> Phillies, basically. Well, they're old, and they're still living in that age where they it originated. They it have not crazy. adapted to this style of NFL. And, I mean, yeah, last year was great with field scrambling and rushing. But if he has more time in the pocket, and if they are planning on him passing more, then I can't imagine – how much lower his ceiling is because he's not doing all those designed runs anymore. And so I'm just a little bit concerned on him. Yeah. I mean, that concern is always there. I would, I will just say, speaking of the bears quarterbacks, if Justin Fields can, you know, put together, you know, a, a great season, you know, maybe he finds a way to get over four. He'll, he will squash the bears quarterback narrative and the Ohio state quarterback narrative. <laughs> All in one swoop. So no pressure. Justin Fields on that, by the way, for two rabid fan bases. But um, I am drafting a probably more Burrow, and it's not because I'm wearing his hoodie right now at all. Um, but, yeah, the price is just – I don't know. The price is just a little prohibitive, but I will mix them in for portfolio purposes. Now for season long, um, you know, I will – I'll draft those guys so I don't have to worry about quarterback. And, like, to Coop's, to Coop's point – you're taking six, seven teams out of the running each week. You're only competing with four or five teams if you don't draft one of those top six, seven quarterbacks. So it's really, you know, helpful in that way where you have some security. I mean, you know, Joe, Joe Burrow, Fields, Herbert. And I would throw Lawrence in there too. I'm more bullish on uh, Trevor Lawrence as far as that offense gaining some more efficiency. Now they have ETN, Bigsby. Now they add Calvin Ridley if he can get up to speed quickly. Um, I do like the overall traje trajectory, easy for me to say, um, of that offense. So um, it's, I guess it's really situation dependent for me, whether I want to spend, it depends on my team composition, whether I want to spend that kind of inflated price on them. But obviously those are guys that can all be in that top three uh, when we're looking into 2024. But uh, Coop, let me call a timeout here. 
I want to see that Joe Burrow sweatshirt. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't even know he. Oh, look at that thing, dude. Oh, yeah. Does that say Joe Shiesty on it? Shiesty on it. Yeah, man. <laughs> a very 90s vibe to yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. That's rowdy, dude. Cincy <laughs> shirts.com. Not a sponsor, but uh, great, great we, stuff. We, I had, I had, well, we had could be. Hit us up. Exactly. Yeah, we could be. Absolutely. Um, so the one guy, my top best ball quarterback as far as exposure is Anthony Richardson, actually. Uh, so he's going to be he's going to be the guy that has the widest range of uh, uh, draft range in managed leagues as you know, he's the shiny toy quarterback, um, you know, with the rushing upside that we're all looking for and best ball, um, you know, with people drafting multiple position. Uh, you know, you can kind of stash him with a safer guy in managed leagues. It comes gets a little bit harder just because we don't have all the information yet. We should have some of that information as training camp, uh, you know, rolls along preseason and everything like that. So, um, you know, I know it's really more of a strategy question with Anthony Richardson, Marcus, but I mean, are you feeling confident that if he's the week one starter, are you just rolling him out and saying, all right, here we go. Or are you just kind of batting down the hatch and taking taking a Derek Carr to pair with him? Yeah, no, I'm not. I'm not that brave. Uh, I wish I was that brave. I wish I was that bold, but I I know I'm not. I, you know, I I'm certainly not against drafting him, but it would be you know I, I go back to the the Dak Jalen Hurts thing. That's sort of how I would do it, right? Where I would have another quarterback that I would feel a little bit more confident in uh, starting on a regular basis, and then having Anthony Richardson, where like if my first guy sort of disappoints me or if Richardson just really does blow up then I can always make that switch but I I don't have the guts to just week one be like yep let's go <laughs> let's jump in let's there I uh you know I'm sure there are people out there and and God bless them but I I can't be one of them I'll tell you what right now like honestly based on what I saw Jim Ursay say the other day I'm not even sure that it's a matter of guts man I think that they're like at this stage of the year based on Ursay saying hey Minshew might be the better player right now but I want to see Anthony Richardson at some point, and that's up to Shane Steichen. That doesn't necessarily sound like Anthony Richardson is even going to be starting week one. So for the time being, I don't even think you can have that strategy without having a backup plan at this very moment. Until it's confirmed, you got to at least be thinking, okay, if I draft this guy, I got to have a backup plan. And the thing about a guy like Anthony Richardson, uh, or just like Trey Lance last year, is that you can even draft Richardson first if you want, because there are guys like Derek Carr or or Jared Goff that are safe enough. So feel free to take Richardson. My advice to people out there, if you like Richardson, feel free to take him, but grab somebody else to start week one. That's what I would do. I think Jim Ursay is just trying to save his job so that he can buy more uh, collectible rock guitars and Hall of Fame memorabilia because ultimately we've seen what Shane Steichen can do with quarterbacks. We've seen what he's done with Justin Herbert. We saw what he did with Jalen Hurts over there. I mean, and then we hear after the draft that Richardson wasn't, quote, as developmental needy as we thought. And so I think with his athleticism, with that coaching, especially once we get into training camp, like, yeah, it might take him a little while to learn the playbook, but that's what training camp is for. I think he's going to ultimately win out over Minshew. He's going to be the starter week one. Now, is he going to be completely accurate? We don't know. So I wouldn't say that I would start him week one, but I have very little reservations about him going forward from even the early part of the season. 
and, and the best thing about that is even if he's a starter week one, we have reservations. He's got a guy in Jonathan Taylor behind him that in a, in a good offensive line that he can, you know, run behind. And um, that's only going to open up things for him and may, and certainly make his life easier. If it was like a, you know, where they have to do a full rebuild on a team and he gets drafted there and maybe, you know, I mean, we're seeing where Bryce Young and CJ Stroud are going. Those are, um, you know, teams where they have to develop skill position players. They have to draft them, first of all. Um, but they have to get these guys up to speed and they all grow together. A Anthony Richardson has, you know, Michael Pittman, Alec Pierce, um, you know, has Jonathan Taylor and a good offensive line behind him. So I'm more bullish on him than I probably should be, but I'm all, I'm risk averse just as, a, you know, I, I, I want to I play it risky, um, you know, with stuff like that. And if it bites me, it bites me. But, you know, I, I'm definitely more in on Anthony Richardson than probably consensus. Um, I, I do believe that's a good offensive environment for him uh, to be able to grow and learn. So, uh, but yeah, certainly if, if we don't have enough information, if we don't know if he's a starter, I mean, we're going to talk about a lot of these quarterbacks right now because it's a big glut of these, maybe not so sexy, maybe not so flashy, but they're, they, they get the job done. The Dak Prescott's. Kirk Cousins, Geno Smith, Jared Goff, Aaron Rodgers. I mean, I can go on and on. It feels like there's like a, just a laundry list of these guys. But um, of that tier, Marcus, if you have to flag plant on just one of these guys out of the, you know, Stafford's cards, Russell Wilson's, like if you had to flag plant one of them, who are you taking? For the sake of nostalgia, I want to say Aaron Rodgers, but realistically, it's, it's Geno. Um, you know, I mean, after just what he did last year. It, the Seahawks got they they unlocked the Geno Smith that the Jets thought they were drafting, you know, all those many years ago. Um, you know, he's in a good situation. They obviously are very comfortable with him. They've gone all in and built around him. They add Jackson Smith and Jigba. Um, you know, there's there's talk that this could look like a different offense than what we're normally seeing from a Pete Carroll offense, right? That that maybe they open it up a little bit more and, and decide to be a little more uh off uh, aerial minded there so um you know I, I think even even if he comes down a little bit from where he was last year i still think he's got more upside than a lot of the guys in that group um you know and i think i think he's that combination where the, the price is right too like i think he's a little bit more uh cost effective if you will than say a dak prescott or a kirk cousins um uh, i think he gives you more upside than say a jared goff um, I think he's right in there with Rodgers. I think they're 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 sort of neck and neck for me. But I I'm gonna I'm gonna go and and pound the table for I guess for Eugene Cyril Smith again this year. Yeah, and here's my advice to people: if and I say this at tight end all the time, if you want to play that game, the late round QB game that Marcus, you sound like you're interested in playing it at least, and, and I like doing it at tight end. I say don't draft Travis Kelsey if you want to do yin yang tight end and, and try and find breakout tight ends with us. And if you do, then then if you don't want to do that, then draft Kelsey. And the same goes for quarterback. Like I actually like the idea when I look at uh, the composite ADP right now and see Geno going like 15, 16, see Russ Wilson going in that range, Derek Carr. I like the idea of being in that mix and doing that. If you take Mahomes, if you think you're uh, you're a John and Pemba, who is our quarterback whisperer over at Fantasy Alarm, mm -hmm. uh, if you think you're you're you have that skill set, then don't draft Patrick Mahomes. You're wasting all the research that you're contractually obligated to do like our buddy john is uh for the right so it's like lean into your own skill set if you don't want to deal with it then giraffe Mahomes, draft whoever but if uh if you're like marcus or you're like john and you look around and say hey why not this guy why not this guy why not that guy then open yourself up to that and and 
spend the early rounds drafting all the fun players, wide receivers and running backs. And if you want to make it even easier for yourself, just get the fantasy alarm draft guide, which is available right now on our website, living draft guide, all our rankings, John Impemba himself has done all the research, done all the articles, put all these guys in tiers. So that's probably the easiest way to handle it. But for the most part, uh, just think about what you want to do and then set it up that way. Because uh, drafting these wide receivers in the early rounds is an active decision that you make all, honestly almost before the draft even starts. One, that was a smooth promo, the way you just kind of slipped that, <laughs> the, that draft guy thing in there. Uh, I, I'll say this. I... I respect you for wanting to play that game with tight ends. I can't. I just can't I do it. Like I, no you know, I, I will go and I will just get myself a Kelsey, a you know, a, a, a Andrews, Hawkinson, somebody like that. Because like I've spent so many years rolling the dice on tight ends off the waiver wire. I just I I don't have the stamina anymore. So good on you, man, for doing that. What about what about running backs, Marcus? I'll you tell want you, to play that game. <laughs> That's the thing. If you don't want to do it, then don't do it. That's that's yeah. the whole advice. That's the whole advice. Running backs, are you playing that game this year? I know a lot of people are are doing the zero RB. Um, I have sort of done more of a hero RB or a modified zero RB. I haven't just done the straight up zero RB thing. Um, you know, I always go back to a few years ago, like late in the season, I was hurting at running back and I had to pull Patrick Laird off the waiver wire. I was just like, you know, I'm like, why, why don't I just set some money on fire? Like that's sort of, <laughs> you know, it's kind of the same thing. Yeah. Oh, Pete Overzet just perked up. I was just going to say he's punching air. It's a magic air. Yeah, Britt, I know you're in on the uh, – the you're big advocate of the hero and anchor RB. Uh, what about these quarterbacks from this group, Britt? Who, who do you like from the uh, from the rest of the guys? And you can't pick Dak because you're – no Dak because you're a Cowboys fan. I can pick Dak. No, no. But no. that was not who I was going to go with first. Oh, okay. So just let me do my thing. Do um, I don't feel like – flag planting any of these guys is an actual thing like yes I can see some upside but I'm not willing to go out there and be like this guy's gonna crush you know what I mean um but I will say that I think the return that you get on Russell Wilson this year could be really huge he's still going around QB 17 18 ish and he still finished as QB 16 last year like he's not gonna get any worse um and now with uh, Peyton and Lombardi. I think that he's going to be a lot better. Um, obviously I do like Dak because now he has some actual weapons. He's not playing with Noah Brown and a guy from the USFL and the ghost of T Y Hilton. Like he's not going to have to deal with those interceptions that bounce off receivers hands right into the D backs arms. Um, so I think he's going to be a lot better this year and he's going to have a bounce back cousins don't like his skill set, but the pure volume He's going to be playing from behind a ton because their defense is horrendous. It's awful. So he's going to have to pass, 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 and volume lends itself to fantasy points, even if he's not great in real life. Um, and I can also see Aaron Rodgers rebounding from last season now that he's in this new offense, now that he's got Garrett Wilson. You know, last year was one of his worst seasons playing a full season just because he had Alan Lazard, who was hurt, he had two rookies who were hurt. Uh, his tight end was hurt. I don't think that he's going to have as bad a season as people are thinking, and he's going to be a lot better. Yeah, I'm actually going to uh, side with uh, John and Pemba on this. I'm going to take Kirk Cousins. Like, you know, we obviously know that this offense is so condensed. I feel like that's on the Kevin Tompkins bingo card. 
uh, here <laughs> talking about the Vikings with Justin Jefferson, TJ Hawkinson, Jordan Addison you could throw KJ Osborne in there too. But now this offense or the, the defense is going to be terrible. The offense is going to be playing from behind. We know they're going to throw. They got rid of Dalvin cook. Um, if Madison is not what they think he's going to be and they have to roll out Ty Chandler and Dwayne McBride, then it's only going to help. Uh, the passing game just with just sheer volume. I mean, Kirk Cousins was what QB seven last year, and we're drafting him at QB what twenty. So, I mean, I'm pretty in on that as far as ROI, knowing that he's going to be the behind the wheel of this passing game that's going to pass at least six hundred and fifty times. Like uh, when I look at the quarterbacks around them, like Dak Prescott, they might run uh, a little more, and they're going to have to depend on some. Uh, efficiency and obviously they can do that, but I would rather take the stab on Cousins there. I do like Geno Smith just because they are investing more in that offense, bringing Zach Charbonnet to pair with Ken Walker. They brought in Jackson Smith and Jigba, um, so now they have a three-headed monster. And that offense could come out of the twelve personnel doldrums and run more eleven personnel, three wide receiver sets. A lot of those, a lot of those draft uh, draft picks that we see that kind of maybe go against the scheme tend to work out in favor of who you drafted, where they have to change their philosophies a little bit more. So I do like JSN, and I'm bullish on him too as far as that Seattle offense um, kind of taking another level up with Geno Smith. Jared Goff I do like as well. Um, Rodgers I'm not in on as much. I do I am drafting Garrett Wilson, but you know, with if Brees Hall doesn't start the season, then I have some reservations about if Aaron Rodgers can carry – the offense with just Garrett Wilson and, you know, a combination of Michael Harb and Corey Davis, you know, guys like that. Um, other than that, I draft a lot of car. I draft quite a bit of Wilson too. Um, I do think their prices are way too low. You're just mad because Rogers left green Bay and now you have Jordan love. And that, you that, know, I'm the one that's like putting out <laughs> anti Rogers tweets. Cause I can't stand the guy anymore. Right. <laughs> At, at John and Pemba there is referencing my super in-depth analysis of Mike Williams had a thousand yards once he had a 10 touchdowns once. What if he does both? And then it actually <laughs> in 2021, that actually did work. One of my worst tweets. I almost went back and deleted that one. Just being like, that's such a bad take, but Hey, sometimes this game doesn't have to be hard. Nope. But well, and I kind of want to go back to another thing that Impemba said um, in the chat that Daniel Jones was a top 10 quarterback last year with 3,200 yards and 15 touchdowns, but 700 yards rushing. So why not Anthony Richardson? Um, his current touchdown line right now is 15 and a half. And I think that seems so insanely low for him right now. Like even Matt Ryan and the corpse of the backups got that last season. So why can't Richardson do this? I mean, he's got weapons. He's got a much better head coach than a former offensive lineman who had never coached a day in his life. I think that that's very doable. And I think, think his upside. You, you think he can, you can, think he can throw for 3,000 yards this year? I, I mean, the over-under set much lower than that. Yeah, it, it really is. And so doing his projections at Florida, that was the situation that kind of had me off of him in the scouting process because – one game he would throw for 150 yards, and then the next game he would throw for over 400. It was just very inconsistent. But I believe in Shane Steichen and believe that with these weapons that he can actually uh, just formulate and kind of figure out his skill set and that he can do that. And honestly, that division kind of sucks. Well, let's be real. Competition's well, not going to be that suck. hard. It, 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 I mean, aside from 
the Jaguars. I'm just trying to be nice, Marcus. Aside from the Jaguars, like who do we really have any expectations for in that division? Sometimes I forget what teams are in that division. <laughs> even though I do this for work, I'm just like, who are even the other teams here? <laughs> I always yeah. leave out like if I'm thinking, I'm like, all right, Jaguars. Uh, uh, who? Texans, uh, Titans, and I always forget That's, the Colts. Yeah. It is. It's those NFC and AFC South. I'm just like, whatever. Yeah. Um, but we haven't talked about um, three quarterbacks, Deshaun Watson, Tua, and Daniel. I mean, we talked about Daniel Jones just now, but not really in depth. And I think all three kind of have some, you know, some of the biggest warts when you before before you get to the tier we just talked about with uh, Cousins and Geno Smith and that. You know, Tua, it's really health related. I mean, it's certainly not weapons related because we know Tyreek Hill, Jalen Waddle, and it's pretty consolidated to those two guys. Uh, and then obviously the run game, but, uh, and then Deshaun Watson, we saw a limited sample size of him last season and it did not look good. Can he get back to the Houston uh, days? And then Daniel Jones, we know they brought in da- uh, da- Darren Waller, but now they have a bunch of, you know, ADP, you know, wide receiver, 80 wide receivers that, that he gets to throw to. So how are you kind of parsing those three? Are you kind of skipping over that tier? Or are you just kind of being judicious with them, Marcus? Um, of that group, the, the guy that I have really taken the most shots at is, is Deshaun Watson. Um, you know, and I will say this is one of those things where you have to sort of separate the fantasy football aspect of it from like the real life aspect of it. You just kind of hold your nose and you, you draft him. Um, but I think, you know, even if he doesn't get back to where he was in Houston, I think he's going to be a lot better than what we saw last year. I mean, you had a guy who, um, you know, it's coming off a really long layoff. It had been a while since he'd actually played any real life football, um, you know, dealing with everything around him. Granted, you know, most of that stuff was of his own making, but dealing with all the stress uh, that he'd put on himself, the, the stress of that contract. I mean, the fact that every every NFL quarterback who was up for a new deal looked at his and is like, I want that, you know, Me too. So, like, <laughs> you know, so. I mean, there was a lot going on with Deshaun Watson last year. I think he's going to be better this year. Um, you know, if you're reading the tea leaves, the suggestion is that the Browns are going to be a more pass-heavy offense this year than they have in the past. Um, so I've, I've been taking uh, quite a few swings at him. Uh, maybe a little bit less on Tua. Like you said, it, it's more about health for me with Tua. It's not, about, it's not about play. It's not about weapons. It's just can he stay healthy, you know, if he has another concussion – you know, is that is that the end of Tua Tonga Vailoa? Like, who yeah. really knows? Um, but I, you know, I, I try to put that aside a little bit and just you know bank on what we saw from him, and that that gives me confidence there. I I really don't want any Giants aside from I've, I've drafted Darren Waller in a few places. Um, I think I've maybe taken a couple of shots at Saquon. That's it. I think I think Daniel Jones, what we saw last year from him might be about as good as it gets like I, I think in real football I think the Giants have locked themselves into football purgatory for a while because they have invested heavily in this guy and I don't know that he can get much better than what we saw from him last yeah. season I think that's kind of it dude Thank you know you. Uh, I, do, I do that I, I'm saying the same thing I'm sitting here looking at Daniel Jones and I'm looking at Jared Goff and I'm like is this it's like looking at Alex Smith all over again but at least where with the, at least with the Lions like I don't know I get the sense that they realize that Goff's shelf life is sort of limited right? right like i think they're leaving themselves open to kind of make a change in the future like the giants have decided we're pushing our chips in with daniel jones like he's our guy Crazy. that that makes me a little bit nervous for them and then their wide receiver situation i mean like they just have a collection of slot receivers like great man 
I uh, hope that works out for you. But because of that, I don't. I really don't want any parts of that offense. To be honest, I worry that the the when you have a good coach that can just get you to the playoffs and and mask that that you don't realize you have Alex Smith until it's too late. I mean, Alex Smith, they were winning 12, 14 games with him, and then once they switched over to Mahomes, that's when they were like, "Oh my goodness, what were we doing?" Well, yeah, these right? went next level at that point. <laughs> right. That's it's like I think I swear like uh, that could be the case for the Lions. Could be the case for some of these other teams. I mean, that was a deal with Jalen Hurts too. Like. So we'll have to see. I will say for Tua, the one thing that, and I know, you know, it's such a gray area science-wise. Everyone agrees that when you get a concussion over the short term, before it's fully healed, you're definitely more susceptible to getting another one. But the gray area is like, how long does that remain a thing? Because if this is the case where if you have three concussions over a short period of time, like Tua did, uh, or three concussions at all during any point in your career, why are we drafting Devontae Adams in the first round? He had three concussions over the course of 18 months. Brandon Cooks. Why, why do we have Brandon Cooks? Why is Brandon Cooks still playing football? He had three concussions over the course of 18 months. I mean, there was a period of time where we even said, like, maybe we fade these guys. And we just forgot about that. Like, that's just, oh, never mind. Well, right? I also think it's because the quarterback is more likely to, to take more hits than those wide receivers. I mean, you know, obviously we've seen Brandon Cooks get rocked. He got rocked in a Super Bowl. Um, we've seen it happen to Devontae Adams, but I just generally speaking, wide receivers are less likely to take shots like that. Whereas a quarterback, there's a pretty good chance you're going to get hit, you know, more than half the time you drop back. And that that sort of increases that risk to me. That's why I'm drafting Jeff and, Wilson, baby. And two, some, ain't, two ain't going in the uh and, yeah, he's not, doing, not doing any QB sneaks. And there's and then you're right that uh, they are more susceptible, especially to blindside hits, because, you know, it's a little less predictable, you know, in that situation. But I mean, at the same time, if the the science that the Dolphins themselves have been accumulating and putting out there, and it's not just from their own doctors that suggest that nine months later, you're no more susceptible to a concussion than anyone else, then maybe two ends up being a value. Because last year before he did get hurt, it was he was a top 10 quarterback. So for me, I'm I'm willing to take Deshaun. I'm willing to take Tua. Uh, anybody out there in the Boston Scott Fishbowl that were drafted on Saturday, cover your ears. If any of those guys are there in the second round, I'm pulling the trigger. Uh, but you know, some of those other guys, Daniel Jones, not as excited. But those those two guys, especially for me, and da- I put Dak in that group too. I think that uh, there there's no reason that they can't have seasons like Joe Burrow or or Justin Herbert. I mean, the over under for yardage for Dak is like four thousand. So. Uh, I'm interested in all three of those guys. The rest of them, I'm not really like. Is the Boston Scott Fish Bowl a fantasy tournament where you have to draft the backup Eagles running back? That's yeah, that's the exact one. That's <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the Boston Scott Fish Bowl tournament. It's it's basically a bunch of guys getting together to be horribly mean to each other, and then we also draft fantasy teams while we do that. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! Times. Well, what I was gonna say is that yeah, people didn't fade. You know, they're fading to a. But look at what happened to Antonio Brown after that Vontez perfect hit. Like we knew from that moment that he was not the same ever, but people still were like, well, he's good at fantasy. He's still good at football. Let's keep drafting him. So I don't understand why with Tua taking all these precautions, you know, taking jujitsu classes, consulting multiple neurological doctors that say that he's fine. Why we're still on this train that, we're still so worried about him getting getting a concussion because it's football. Anybody can get a concussion at any given time. I think Miami did a little bit to shore up their offensive line as well. Tua has been working on getting rid of the ball faster and he doesn't even have to worry about those deep throws. That was one of his main things last year. He wanted the deep ball so much, 
But when you have guys like Waddle and Hill who are super speedy, who are super great at getting yards after the catch, you can kind of just adjust your system to those short eight out routes and let those guys do what they can do. And you still get yardage. You don't have to worry about it. So I don't really get that concern with to his concussions. Well, I, but I think I think I think what it is, though, is you're talking about the difference in positions and the way we we, we value them in fantasy. Right. Where you're talking about you lose a top 10 receiver. Uh, you, you lose an Antonio Brown, somebody like that. You have a couple other receivers on your roster that, yes, they may not be Antonio Brown, but you can fill in those gaps a little bit easier. If you've got Tua as a top 10 quarterback and he misses time with a concussion, you know, the chances of you finding a guy on the waiver wire who can sort of fill in that gap and not have you scrambling the rest of the season, I think has a little bit of a, a, a bigger impact. And I think that's why people are fading Tua, not because we think he's going to be bad, it's sort of just hedging your bet, right? Like nobody's, I don't know how many people were drafting Tua and expecting him to be their number one quarterback that they're going to have all year. You draft Tua and you draft somebody else just because, you know, fingers crossed he stays healthy and everything works out, but you just want to make sure that you went out and got that, that insurance. And so you're not scrambling and you're like, oh crap, I got to start Brock Purdy this week now just because uh, Tua. And so I just, I just think it's, it's the difference of having, a position where you're drafting three or four guys already versus where you're maybe only drafting one or two. Well, yeah, and that's fine. And I get that, but people are talking about completely fading Tua, like not even talking about a contingency plan with him. They're like, Nope, I'm out on Tua. Nope. But I'm they'll out. draft Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle with no well, problem. Well, again, right. And it, there's just a lot of cognitive dissonance and a lot of breakdown in your draft strategy and roster construction that right. I, that I don't get with him. To Marcus's point, I think you got to understand your league and your format. Like if if in best ball, Tua getting hurt is going to end your season or in super flex or 2QB where there's nobody on the wire, like you're just done if you lose your quarterback, then that, that does present a more difficult situation. But if it's your hometown league and you know that only your buddy Pete ever drafts two quarterbacks, then maybe it's a little easier to take Tua knowing that guys are going to be out. So keep that is important thing to keep in mind. Like in the Scott Fishbowl, if you lose one of your quarterbacks, you might as well pack it up. So it is it is interesting. I mean, <laughs> there are a lot of mobile QBs though that that are also at risk, you know. So we'll we'll have to see. But I personally am not I'm not fading him too far from where I would normally rank him just because I'm saying he might get hurt. If I was doing that, then I wouldn't take Lamar Jackson in the first round, which I might end up doing on Saturday. We'll have to see. Because Lamar Jackson's been hurt two years in a row as well. Yeah, and I took Deshaun Watson in the second round, and that is the only quarterback I have through 14 rounds. So we're going to have some fun in Scott Fishbowl this year <laughs> uh, when I draft Mike White and Taylor Heineke uh, to back them up. That'll be fun. But speaking of guys, uh, you know, we're talking about injured quarterbacks. Kyler Murray uh, may not start the season. Um, I know he's been a point of contention for a lot of people seeing him below that, you know, that big big glut of the older quarterbacks um we know what he can provide when he's healthy but that's the thing he's not healthy um arizona shipped out uh uh Andre hopkins you know not getting a, a thing back for him um so we know what arizona wants to do now is he for you marcus is is kyler murray kind of hands off persona non grata here as far as uh, uh selecting him in any format um, I'm not that I haven't taken that hard of a line on him where I'm like, I'm just not drafting him, but I, I'm not, I'm not drafting him a lot. Um, you know, it's, it's him not being able to start the season. It's sort of, I don't know, maybe I'm missing something. I feel like it's been murky on what his timeline for return is, is the other part of it. And then throw in the fact that the Cardinals are going to be bad. I mean, bad, bad. Um, like Caleb Williams lottery, bad sort of thing. So, um, you know, 
I still think he's going to come back this year. I know there's a school of thought that says he's not going to play at all this year, that maybe he just sits out, that the Cardinals don't rush him back. I don't I don't think that's really going to be the case. Um, but there's just so many unknowns there that, um, you know, like I said, I, I, I'm not completely against drafting him. I, I may have taken him in one or two spots, but, um, you know, I'm not I'm not really trying very hard <laughs> to have him <laughs> on my team. Well, Britt, you said you got some breaking news. We're going to kick it to Britt real quick. Well, I was going to save it for the Alarm Fantasy Football Show, but um, all this talk about Alvin Kamara and his trial being scheduled during training camp, apparently he has agreed to plead guilty to a lesser misdemeanor charge um, for his role in the Las Vegas assault, and the felony charge is going away. That doesn't mean that he still can't be suspended because, as we know, the NFL Players Association and personal conduct policy is on a different burden of proof. Um, but it is kind of some good news for everybody who's been drafting Camara at a discounted ADP. And as John Pemba points out, we likely get a suspension announced sooner now that we it's all kind of wrapped up with a bow. So interesting on that front. Uh, Marcus, while we got you, man, uh, Alvin Kamara, let's say he gets six games. You're going to still draft a guy like that or are we just out? Yeah, no. And, and I've, I've been drafting him anyway, just, you know, but it's been a thing where I make sure I have a couple guys, at least one guy that I feel really confident in for the first, you know, I, I was assuming sort of six to eight weeks. I just make sure I get one guy that I know I can really roll with. Um, and then ideally when Kamara comes back, I have two uh, you know, maybe Kamara's a low-end RB1, a high-end RB2, but either way, then I feel really good about my running back situation if I if I did it right to start the season. Yeah, I mean, especially in, like, best ball mania three, where you have to – it really just – you have to find a way to get in and then win down the stretch. Like, that's where I'm like, all right, whatever, dude. Like, if my team isn't good enough without Kamara to make it that far, then it wouldn't have been – it wouldn't have mattered anyway. So I might as well just load up and go for broke. Just hoping, I mean, just for me, I'm hoping that he uh, has managed a little bit more this year, especially with the workload on the ground, because last two years with over two, <clears throat> excuse me, with over 200 carries kind of saps his efficiency. So bringing in Jamal Williams, now they have Kedry Miller. Hopefully they can get Kamara back to, uh, you know, 150 to 170 carries and receiving role where he can thrive instead of just pounding him on the ground and, um, you know, not feeling that. But uh we only got we only got a couple minutes here, so I wanted to ask you real quick about these uh, the lower quarterbacks. We're really scraping the bottom of the barrel here with like the Bryce Youngs, the C.J. Strouds, Kenny Pickett, Brock Purdy, guys like that. Like if you're taking a a safe guy, if you're taking a guy maybe in the top seven or a guy you feel good about, uh, you know, with those, um, you know, Richardson or not or maybe not Richardson, but like Dak Prescott, Kirk Cousins. Are you taking shots on these lower guys? You know, like a Brock Purdy or a uh, one of the rookies to, you know, maybe capture some upside or are you just keeping them on your watch list? Generally not. I think I've, I think I've taken a couple of shots at Bryce young. Um, but that's, that's kind of been about it. And that really is just like, Hey man, let's just throw a dart and see if, if maybe something comes out of it. Um, so I, I don't have any big expectations there. I do think it's funny though, for a while, I don't even know if it's still, I have to check and see if it still is. I know for a while, Trey Lance was going ahead of Brock Purdy and I'm like, 
why? Like he's, <laughs> he may not even play. Why are we drafting him ahead of the guy who looks like he's on track to be the starter? Um, I know people are, are fishing for upside. I get it. That one just foaming at the mouth for the it made me it made me chuckle when I saw <laughs> that like, earlier this offseason. That's it is crazy. Yeah. yeah, no, they can't handle it. <laughs> the Trey Lance dream will never die for some. Look, I already said this as boots on the ground in Fargo, North Dakota, that I'm fully moved on to Brock Purdy. Like it's going <laughs> to look uh, if, if I'm out, I think everybody else should real. I mean, it's going to take a new team. And, you know, he what last year he had that monsoon game against Chicago and then. Right. He had, he had yeah, a monsoon so, game and then he got hurt early in the second game and that yeah. was it. But like all signs point to the Niners having kind of moved on. We need what we need is we need like a fantasy hope hive hall of fame and like all the guys <laughs> that like, you know, people just just stand for Darwin um, Thompson. Let's go. Christine Michael, dude. Right, Christine Michael, Darwin jo Thompson. Josh Gordon would be the and, oh, oh man, he is, he's he's the the dude, yeah. he is the he's the first ballot like yeah, yeah, unanimous yeah, vote one. guy. <laughs> number one, dude. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I, I have so many of my personal ones. I'm like sitting back, like every time Andre Ellington signed, I was like, Yeah, Andre, this is the time, right? <laughs> yeah, uh, the but anyway, handler time is winding down. Anyway, Marcus, we got about a minute left. Why don't you tell everybody what you got going on, man? You always got stuff cooking up, dude. So, yeah, uh, uh, look, I'm just uh, I'm still doing the stuff at the NFL, the NFL fantasy football show. Me and Michael F. Florio, you can check that out uh, wherever you download fine podcasts or even terrible podcasts, all in the same place. Uh, and then I'm doing the fantasy life thing. Uh, I work with a really smart guy named Dwayne McFarland, and he makes me smarter at my job every time I sit down and talk to him. So uh, be sure to check that out. And the Fantasy Live uh, on NFL Network, we're coming back. I don't know the exact date, but I'm going to guess sometime late August, early September. Awesome, man. It's so cool seeing you on TV, dude. I'm like, there he is, dude. Hey, I know that guy. Leo DiCaprio. <laughs> Appreciate it. That's right, man. Yeah. Awesome. Thank you so much, Marcus, uh, for hopping on with us. Um, stay tuned for Alarm Fantasy Football coming up at the top of the hour. Uh, for Coop, for Britt, for Marcus, I'm Kevin Topkins. Toodles.